Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Middleway Mom Reads, where we dig into books that enhance and inform our homeschooling journey. I'm Shannon, a homeschooling mom since 2009 and a student of the Islamic Sciences, working toward my bachelor's degree in Islamic Sciences from Mishka University. I've been using the Charlotte Mason method since 2016, and I'm hoping that this series helps more parents realize the value of a Charlotte Mason method in their own homes. We're starting with the most classic book in the Charlotte Mason Method, the first book in her six-volume series titled Home Education. We'll work together through the book, inshallah. I'll discuss the highlights of the book without the assumption you have read it yourself, but of course you'll gain a much greater understanding if you read the book as well. So today we are picking back up with the section uh, Change of Occupations, and then there'll be a short conversation about food and mealtime and that type of thing. So she starts off, and again, you know, if you're just joining us for the first time, this book was written about 1910, you know, so over 100 years ago at this point. She starts off by saying that there really isn't any kind of scientific proof that there's different types of work in the brain that, or like different areas of the brain light up or are in use for different types of work. Though now we have um, we have some uh, brain scans and these type of things that actually does prove, you know, this type of work is in this section of the brain and that type of work is in that section of the brain. So it's interesting that she brought this up over a hundred years ago. That she's she doesn't say it this way. I'm summing it up this way. That like you know we have different boxes in our brain and you know, we, we get tired when we stay in one box for too long. She says, but this much is certain and is very important to the educator. The brain or some portion of the brain becomes exhausted when any given function has been exercised too long. The child has been doing sums for some time and is getting unaccountably stupid. Take away his slate and let him read history and you will find his wits fresh again. Imagination, which has no part in the sums, is called into play by the history lesson, and the child brings a lively, unexhausted power to his new work. I will say in my own studies and with my kids, this is incredibly valuable advice. Um, With my own studies, you know, if I've been like working on Arabic too long and you get to a point where you're like, what does Hatha mean? (laughs) something that you're like, I know this, I know that I know this, but it's like that section of your brain just gets too tired. So then you switch over, you switch over to, you know, I could read a book about nature study. I could read whatever it is. Um, I can just pick up something else and I'm a lot more uh, refreshed and rested because my brain is working different, different areas. So there's actually, um, if you're kind of in the midst of it and you're looking at all of these subjects that the Charlotte Mason method um, asks of us, I was going to say requires, but of course we're not required. Um, There's some scheduling cards from a delectable education that um, what it is, is like the hour long one is, you know, let's say an inch long. And the one that's a half an hour is half an inch long. And then you can like create this table to, um, to make like, here's my Monday schedule, my Tuesday schedule. And they'll have like five of these, um, of these pieces for math and, you know, three of these pieces for history and so on and so forth. So you can like have the right number of subjects, um, throughout the week. 
so in any case on these, there's like a symbol, there's a couple different symbols. Um, one of them is, I forget exactly what it, but there's a symbol that like, you don't want two of these subjects together. You want to have some kind of change between those two subjects. Um, and because it's, they're too similar. So like, um, by the time that a child is in fifth grade, they're doing three foreign languages. One is like a classical language, like Latin or Greek. Um, but you're not going to do those back to back. So that's just an example of kind of putting that, putting that in practice. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and doing it with yourself as well, that um, you're continuing to change and that because a lot of times I think we think, oh, okay, they're getting, they're getting really tired. We need to get up and, you know, have like have them do jumping jacks or run around the house or whatever. And like, there is a time for that actually in the younger years and like one B and one A. Uh, so form one, um, there's actually like drill in there. So like Swedish drill is what was classically done. People now do yoga or whatever it is. Um, but it's, you know, some kind of physical activity because the kids are only doing stuff for about half the day. So like 15 minutes of physical activity is sufficient because you are, you should be done by lunch and then you can use the entire afternoon. Okay. So this is one of my favorite pieces of advice is just making that change. She goes on to talk about nourishment. Um, and she, she goes through um, making the case that nutrition fuels the growing body and fuels the brain. This is something that, you know, we, we know all of these things to be true. I think sometimes, even though as parents, we know these things to be true, it's good to have the reminder that like, this is, we are, we're not just feeding them so they stop complaining that they're hungry. <laughs> like we, we feed them because they're growing their bodies, they're growing their minds. So what we feed them is important. So she goes on to kind of, um, again, make her case for this. I'm not going to really dig into that. It is page 25, if you're reading along uh, with us here. So, um, and she says, though, I found this interesting. She said, everybody knows that children should not eat pastry or pork or fried meats, or cheese, or rich, highly flavored food of any description. And it got me thinking about like your typical kids menu at a restaurant, or like what people call kids food at the masjid all the time. There'll be like this huge spread of food for ithar. And then you have like the kids food, which is like pizza. <laughs> like, no, food is food. This is, um, this is one of my frustrations with uh with the parenting community at large not just the muslim community um but she said so again pastry pork fried meats cheese or rich highly flavored food which basically describes your kids menus everywhere um she does say so this you know she kind of goes back and forth of don't do this do do that. So coming back to like what she says we should do. And again, our modern sensibilities and modern science and all of these things really does back all of this up. She says that fresh fruit at breakfast is invaluable. That as serving the same end 
oatmeal porridge and treacle. I had to look up what treacle is. It's kind of like a simple sugar, like simple sugar, like, um, in the United States, I think we would typically use like a maple syrup. Um, so this is kind of like a nat- more natural sugar. Um, so in any case, so oatmeal porridge and treacle and the fat of toasted bacon are val- valuable breakfast foods. And that a glass of water also taken the last thing at night and the first thing in the morning is useful in promoting those regular habits on which much of the comfort of life depends. So I like, these are just little pieces of advice. So water at night, water in the morning, um, and having simple foods at breakfast, uh, including fresh fruit. Now, where I am, I'm in Minnesota, uh, United States. So, I mean, we can get fresh fruit throughout the year uh, in our very, very long winter, Um Fresh fruit is not always as tasty, but canned fruit, frozen fruit, these type of things are still, still really good, um, still really good options, particularly frozen fruit, because a lot of times it's picked at its peak and then frozen right at that time. So, um, and this also reminds me of a class that I took through, I think I mentioned this class. Yes, I mentioned this class previously. It's through Seeker's Guidance. Um, it's a pre-recorded class, so you can take it at any time and just kind of work through it at your at your leisure. Um, and they make the case for having very simple meals sometimes, right? That not everything is going to be, you know, this huge spread. Not everything is even going to be cooked. So, you know, there's going to be times where, you know, crackers and cheese and fruit. Um, Maybe I talked about this before in case I didn't. um, We can go over this again. But like, you know, every once in a while, well, actually, most of the time in our house, we'll do um, a platter for lunch. So I have some kind of vegetable, some kind of fruit, some kind of grain and some kind of protein. So that might look like cheese sticks, which I know are salty, but you know, cheese sticks or like hard boiled eggs and peppers and hummus. So hummus also gets our protein in there and then that's the vegetable and then whatever kind of fruit, um, and then some kind of grain. And this is where like their chips or like popcorn or something comes in. Um, so it's not like, it's not like this is perfect. Um, but it, trains their taste buds to one, really enjoy fresh fruits and vegetables and two, to not expect that everything is going to be uh, high in carbs, high in fat, high in starches, those type of things, which we can really get um, accustomed to and feel like, well, I need that. I need more carbs. I need more sugar, so on and so forth. Nutrition is such a huge conversation. Um, She then says, um, no pains. So now, okay, let me rewind just for one second here. She's now switching to a new section that's called talk at meals. So she goes on to kind of talk about, it's not just what you eat. It's also that you're digesting that food. So anybody who's had any kind of stressful period in their life your digestion is affected. Either your digestion slows down or your digestion really speeds up. It's for some, for a lot of people, it'll be one or the other. Um, 
But I think all of us as adults would can kind of think back to one point in our life and we're like, yeah, you know, when I was really stressed, I couldn't eat or I ate to, you know, soothe myself or, you know, my stomach was just all cramped up all the time, so on and so forth. So it's not just about putting the right foods in your stomach. It's about digesting those foods. Um, So she then talks about talking at meals and having this balance of mealtime. So to quote her, she says, no pain should be spared to make the hours of meeting around the family table the brightest hours of the day. This is supposing that the children are allowed to sit at the table with their parents And if it is possible to let them do so at every meal, excepting a late dinner, the advantage to the little people is incalculable. So this late dinner um, in the United States, we have our midnight snacks. Um, But I think if I'm thinking about this in the correct context, there was, you know, the kids go to bed and then the parents might have like, you know, a later dinner. And I'm hearing this like, um, I have a couple of teachers that are from Egypt and they say the same thing. Like their dinner is at like eight or nine o'clock at night. Um, so the meals are just different in different cultures. So I think that's what she's talking about. Not that like 6 PM meal. All right. So she says here is the parent's opportunity to train them in manners and in morals to cement family love and to accustom the children to habits such as that of thorough mastication. I had to look this up. It's chewing, thorough chewing, for instance, as important in the score of health as on that of propriety. So I will put in the, uh, in the show notes of this, a link to a study, or I'm sorry, it's a link to an interview about a study about family meals and the benefits of that and tips to make that happen if that's not something that you do currently. Um, So she's making this case that having these family meals is also good for digestion. A lot of the studies that we see now in the United States, it's talking about um, one of the things in this interview they were talking about, there's lower rates of teen pregnancy and kids smoking. And, you know, it's this time for all of the family to like check in and be together and have that connection. Um, also in that interview, just to t- tell you everything that's in the interview, um, is it says that teens are more uh, apt to eat more fruits and vegetables when they're sitting at the family table instead of, you know, however that might look otherwise. Um, But Charlotte Mason is saying that having these kind of relaxed, um, calm atmospheres and connection also helps with digestion. So it's not that the kids are like running around and climbing on the table. I know when, so as a homeschooler, I will say for, for myself, I can't, I can't eat every single meal with them. Like I need a break. And sometimes I use a mealtime to get that break because they they're busy. Um, but they eat so much more slowly and they like play and like, it's not the same 
as when we're sitting down for a meal. And it is a great time to talk about good manners and not reaching in front of somebody that's sitting next to you and passing, you know, the dishes and like cleaning up after yourself and don't chew with your mouth full or not chew with your mouth. Don't talk with your mouth full and don't chew with your mouth open. Those, (laughs) that's something that we talk about a lot in our house. Um, so all of these, you know, this is the family meal is really, really important for so many reasons, digestion being one of them. She goes on, the next section is called variety in meals. She says, plain as their food should be, they must have variety. Again, that's coming back to that same advice from the Seeker's Guidance class with uh, Sheikh Faraz Rabani and his wife, and I wish I remember her name right now, um, of they should have plain bread sometimes. And this is not like, um, I don't know, this is not like, it's not a punishment for them. Like, honestly, for them to have simple, plain meals at times helps them to make their way through the world without these expectations that honestly are just not going to be met or it's going to be hard for them to get those needs met. You know, it's harder to go through life when your expectations of everybody else or everything else are so high that it's impossible for those to meet. So at home, we should be um, kind of setting the stage that sometimes we have dessert and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we have uh, Swedish meatballs with something that my family really likes. And it's this, it's a very winter meal, right? Like it sticks on your bones. It keeps you warm in the winter and it's really tasty. Um, Or like a hollandaise sauce is made out of all this butter and it's so good. But to have that every day, you know, then when you're, you know, like I was just traveling when you're traveling and you're like, okay, what do we eat? When you're looking at like an egg salad sandwich or a tuna sandwich, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, we have this available. But if we're used to like these lavish meals every time or chicken nuggets and pizza, um, it's just like, if we look at the long game, it's not healthy. We're not setting them up for success later in life. Okay. So continuing with, even with the advice that the meal should be plain, there should be variety. She says the mother should contrive a rotation for her children that will last at least a fortnight without the same dinner recurring twice. So that, that means having 14 meals that you, that you're able to meet or make. I will say that, um, there, We went to this one tour and they were talking about how many recipes that women in like the 1800s just kind of had in their head. And they were asking us, how many recipes do you have in your head? And they made the case for like, so a roast chicken is one recipe making, um, what was it? Like a pie is another recipe and making chicken pot pie is a third recipe. So sometimes you can put those together and make them pretty simple. Um, but it's still some, some variety. Uh, she goes on to talk about different types of foods. (laughs) And I found this 
a little interesting. She said she was talking about giving the children pudding. And again, you know, we really have to rewind in cultural context here. She says, because the children do not commonly care for fatty foods, but prefer to derive the warmth of their bodies from the starch and sugar of their puddings. Um, This is not a problem that we have today about trying to get fatty foods in, uh, in our children's system. I think we eat more meat now um, and probably have more eggs and cheese and that kind of stuff, which is all, um, you know, not super fatty, but you know, we, we have what we need. She then says they should not have anything. Always every meal should have some little surprise. So again, if we go back to breakfast and saying you should, you should serve fruit at breakfast. It's a very simple thing to say, you know what, I'm going to start this tomorrow. I'm going to serve fruit fruit at breakfast. So for instance, for us, we go to Costco and I always pick out one type of berry. We always get apples um, unless they don't have the apple I like, then we'll get pears. And usually like one other thing, maybe it's like mangoes, maybe it's oranges, but there's usually like three different things. So that way throughout the mornings, I can serve like three different types of fruit. There's like a three day rotation. And then we'll usually get like some kind of canned fruit because I really only shop every two weeks and usually you can't get them to last um, two weeks. So then we might have like canned peaches or something like that, um, you know, during the second week. So these are really, it, it can be easy to read this and be like, Oh my gosh, like, what does she expect from us? But, you know, take it bit by bit. This little surprise could be, uh, like chicken pot pie, for instance. Um, I don't usually put potatoes in my chicken pot pie, Um, but everybody likes it. I usually don't do it because it's just more work, but you know, having potatoes in the chicken pot pie or like we make tuna salad. I usually make that with like, uh, mustard and paprika and a little bit of garlic and every once in a while make it with curry powder instead. So it's, it can be really, really, really simple things that make it a little bit of a surprise. And it also widens their, uh, their figurative palette. So this is actually everything about that she talks about food. Um, it's a little bit shorter of a section. Um, so next time we're actually going to next time we'll continue with the section about air. Um, she actually has a lot to say about this. Um, she gives some really good advice. So I'm really excited to talk about this with you guys. It sounds a little um, like what does she have to talk about as air or about air? Um, so just to kind of give you a couple of headings, she said uh, one of the section headings, air as important as food. Uh, the next section, the children walk every day. Oxygen has its limitations, unchanged air, these type of things. Um, so again, it's piece by piece, little piece, little aspects of advice of things that you can do with your children every day. And this is especially valuable for really young children. Um, You know, two years old, three years old, this is the time to inculcate these habits in the family. Um, But I will say it's, it's really never too late to try to inculcate those, those habits. 
So just a reminder, uh, you will gain added benefit by reading the book yourself. You can find it at most of your favorite retailers, alhamdulillah. You will also be able to find a link to it at the description of this video or podcast. You can find me online as Middle Way Mom on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. On Instagram, I share our day-to-day homeschooling life as well. If you have any questions you'd like answered, you can email those to shannon at middlewaymom.com. Thank you so much and assalamu alaikum.